Well, of course, the Queen um, is, I suppose, one of the wealthiest people in the world, isn't she? What do you give to somebody like that? Uh, She was presented with various gifts in the coronation service, uh, surely one of the most impressive of which were, amongst the crown jewels, the sovereign's scepter. And the sovereign's scepter includes, uh, set within it, the largest clear-cut diamond in the world. It's called the Star of South Africa, and it's over 530 carats, the most valuable diamond in the world. But do you know... That was not the most valuable thing which she was actually given during that service. At another point during the service, she was presented with a gift on a cushion held out to her with the words, this is the most valuable gift this world affords. In other words, this is the most valuable thing in the world. Do you know what was on that cushion? One of these, a Bible. So would you like to reach in front of you and take one of our pew Bibles and you hold in your hands, according to Her Majesty the Queen, the most valuable Thing in the world, more valuable than any diamond. And uh, for many people, it goes unread, sitting cl- gathering dust on their shelves, but not for the Queen, she reads hers, and not for us this morning. We're going to read the Bible now. We're going to have our first reading. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Would you like to be seated and keep John chapter 14 uh, open in front of you? And let's pray as we come to look at this together. Lord, it's difficult to imagine how anything could be more valuable than the most valuable diamond in the world. But the Queen believes that this book, these words that we've just read, are even more precious than any diamond. And so we pray that you'd make them precious to each of us now, that you would actually speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself to us and help us to hear your very voice. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder, would you say, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? 70 years ago on Thursday, just gone, there was a church service uh, in which they prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit. It was in Westminster Abbey. It wasn't an ordinary church service. There were over 8,000 people there and uh, 27 million more Uh, British people watching at home on television, and all of those who were tuned in watching the Queen's coronation on TV were able to really partake, for many people for the first time watching the TV, uh, to join in the pomp and the pageantry, the feathers and the fur, the scepters and the swords, the duke and the duchesses, the hymns, the choir, the bishops, the crown. But there was one part of the service which was so special, which was so profound, that at the Queen's personal request was not televised. There came a point about halfway through the service when they turned the cameras away and conducted a part of the service in secret because it was so special. At that moment, the Queen was divested of all her regalia. She took off her magnificent robes and her jewellery and she was wearing a simple, pure white linen garment in sharp contrast to all of the pageantry around her. And she was hidden away under a golden canopy held by four knights of the garter so nobody could see what was happening underneath it. And what took place there was she was anointed. She was anointed. The Archbishop of Canterbury prayed these words. He prayed, Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
who by his father was anointed with the oil of gladness, by his holy anointing poured down upon your, speaking to the queen, upon your head and heart, the blessing of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. So the oil that she was presented with and anointed with was a symbol, uh, but the reality to which the, the, uh, the symbol of the oil pointed was the Holy Spirit of God. Well, this weekend, as we've said, it's not just the Jubilee, it's Pentecost as well. Uh, I've been trying to work out what we should call it, Jubicost or Pentalee. I don't know what is a good uh, jumbling together of um, those two words, but they ought to sort of be mixed together, shouldn't they? Pentecost, Pentecost means 50th. Penta, like a, a pentagram or a pentathlete, five and 50th. So the festival of Pentecost was the 50th day after Easter day. And it was the day on which we, as we heard him in our first reading from Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out. But poured out upon everybody, not just poured out upon queens and Christian kings, princes and governors, but poured out, as we heard from Acts 2, uh, this is what they said in fulfilment of the Old Testament prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on servants, not just queens and kings, but servants, both men and women. It's quite inclusive, isn't it? I will pour out my spirit in those days, says the Lord. I think that includes all of us, don't you? Men, women, young, old, all of us sitting here, this promise of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is for everybody. Which means that despite all the theatre and the ceremony of the linen robes and the golden canopies and the archbishops, there's no reason why what actually took place at that secret and special moment in that church 70 years ago can't take place for each of us as well. That we also can be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't all be crowned queen or king of England. We probably wouldn't want to be. But we may all and we can all be filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who was poured out at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the same Holy Spirit who was invoked in the coronation ceremony, is here and present with us in Melksham in 2022. So what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit actually do? Well, there are many things that the Holy Spirit, according to Scripture, does. But there are just two which, um, for the remainder of our time this morning, I'd like us to focus on. Two things which, as I've looked at the liturgy for the coronation service, which I have been back and read through the order of service, two things which they really major on in in the prayers in that service, and two things which Jesus focused on uh, in his words in John 14, which we've just read. So the two things which the Holy Spirit, if we're puzzling ourselves this morning, what does the Holy Spirit actually do and what can he do for me? Two things... First of all, the Holy Spirit is here to help us to know God better. And secondly, he's here to help us to obey God better. He's here to help us to know God, and he's here to help us follow him as well. So first of all, the Holy Spirit helps us to know God better. Does God seem distant? Does he seem unknowable to us this morning? I hear so many people say, oh, I'm sure there's a God out there somewhere, but I just think he's so distant, he's so far away. There must be something that made us whether that's God or who knows what, but is it actually possible to know him or her or it if there is a God? Well, surely that's what's behind Philip's question in verse 8. Have a look down at verse 8. What does Philip want? He says, Philip, he says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. 
That'll be enough for us. Philip wants to know God, doesn't he? He wants to see the Father. Now, Philip believed in God. He was Jewish. And, but for him, presumably, God was distant. He didn't really feel like he could see him properly, and he wanted Jesus to help him to see him. And so Jesus replied in verse 9. He said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can he say, show us the Father? He tells a little bit of a hint of exasperation, isn't there, in Jesus' voice. Really, ought to, Peter, uh, Philip ought to have known better by this. Been, Jesus has been, he's been following Jesus around for three years and listening to all of his teaching. And Jesus has constantly been telling the disciples that he was there to show the way to God. He actually said that just a minute before, didn't he? In those famous words in verse 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the very revelation of God. If we wonder, what is God like? Well, Jesus shows us. What's God like? He's like Jesus. Jesus is the revelation, the manifestation of who God is. Jesus is here to make the Father known. No one has seen God, says John at the beginning of his gospel, but Jesus, the one and only Son, has made the Father known. Yeah, it's actually extraordinary to think that for a brief window of history, if you lived in the right place in the Middle East, it was actually possible to meet God in person and to know him face to face. But not for us. Not for us now. Because Jesus isn't here now, but his spirit is. That's why he gave the Holy Spirit. In verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate or comforter is what the old versions um, translate that word as. Comforter to help you and be with you forever. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. In other words, without the knowledge of the Father. You won't be an orphan without the Father. I will come to you. How will he come to us? By his Holy Spirit. And so do we want to know God this morning? Would we like to know him? Would we like to see him? The Holy Spirit is the one who comes and reveals God to us. And that's why in the coronation service, the Archbishop of Canterbury prayed to the Queen. He prayed, strengthen her, O Lord, with the Holy Ghost, the spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge. What could be higher knowledge than the knowledge of God himself? Not just knowing about God, but knowing him. Personally, knowing his love, verse 21, second half of it, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. The Holy Spirit is the one who does that for us. He's the one who shows us the Father's love, helps us to encounter the Father's love, helps us to experience the love of the Father. I don't know whether anybody else will get this reference, but have you seen the movie Goodwill Hunting? I don't know whether many will have seen the movie. It's a, a terrific film, which uh, Robin Williams won um, Best Supporting Actor for his role as the therapist um, to Matt Damon, who is a rather troubled young man who goes to see Robin Williams and uh, help to process all of the, the tough upbringing he's had in his life. There's a moment where he's in um, the therapist's office, he's in, he, and he's sort of... And, and Robin Williams is trying to tell Matt Damon that actually it's not his fault what has happened to him. And he says to him, you know, it's not your fault. And Matt Damon's hardened and he doesn't want to know. And he just says, yeah, I know. And Robin Williams says again, no, it's not your fault. 
He says, yeah, I know. He wants him to stop talking. He keeps saying, he keeps saying, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And gradually, the knowledge, and he knows it's not his fault, but the knowledge of the fact that it's not his fault drops from here to here, and it melts him. And his character just bursts into tears. And Robin Williams just scoops him up and gives him this great big bear hug. And he keeps saying to him, it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's not your fault. And he knew, there was a sense in which he knew it wasn't his fault, but now he really knew it. And do you know, the Holy Spirit is a bit like that, I think. He helps us to know that God loves us. I'm sure if I said to you, do you think God loves you? We'd say, oh yeah, I know God loves me. But do we really know this morning the love of God? It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to experience the love of God. When we pray, Lord, would you show us your love? It's the Holy Spirit who comes alongside us and scoops us up and gives us that great big bear hug. In her Christmas message in 2011, the Queen said this, it's my prayer that we might all find room in our lives for the message of the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Queen is somebody who knows the love of God. And she wants the citizens of her country to know the message of the love of God through Jesus Christ as well. And it's the Holy Spirit who will help us to encounter his love. Do you know him this morning? Well, secondly, the Holy Spirit helps us not just to know God better, but helps us to obey him as well. I don't know whether you spotted as we read through John 14 there, that as, as we read through that, a lot woven alongside the promise of the revelation of the love of God were the exhortation to actually follow and obey the commands of God as well. Did you notice that in verse 15? They're rather striking words, aren't they? Where Jesus says, verse 15, if you love me, he says, keep my commands. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And Judas not Judas Iscariot, in verse 22, can't understand why there's an exclusivity about this. He says, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? He can't understand why surely everybody would want to know the love of God. And Jesus says that the exclusivity is down to the fact that not everybody actually will follow God. Verse 23, Jesus replies to that question, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And my father will love them. We will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey my teaching. He can almost tell Jesus is almost apologetic about this fact, isn't he? At the end of the verse, he says, these words you hear, they're not my own. Don't shoot the messenger. They belong to the Father who sent me. Incredibly strong words. What Jesus says here, according to one writer, these words are polarised, blunt, demanding, and forceful. Do you know, I rather agree with that. I think actually if we listen to what Jesus says here, they're incredibly challenging words. They are polarising, blunt, demanding and forceful, aren't they? Because what Jesus does is make an absolutely unbreakable, watertight connection between encountering the love of God and really knowing that God loves us and actually obeying God and following his commands. There's an unbreakable connection between love for Christ and obedience to Christ. It's not possible to say, oh yeah, I know God, but I don't obey him. It's not possible to be a disobedient disciple. Jesus is actually after people, not only who've encountered his love, but who actually follow him and do what he says. 
which would be incredibly daunting, wouldn't it? If we had to do that in our own strength, because of course we can't follow God and what he wants for us in our own strength. None of us can. Which is why he says, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Oh gosh, how are we going to do that? Well, he says in verse 16, how it's going to happen. I will ask the Father, he will give you another advocate to what? To help us. To help us. The Holy Spirit is the one who actually helps us to follow Jesus, to obey the commands of God. We can't do it in our own strength, but Jesus has given us the power of the Holy Spirit, not only to help us to know and understand the love of God, but to actually put it into practice. In her 1981 Christmas message, the Queen said this. She said, Christ not only revealed to us the truth in his teachings, which he did, didn't he? She's a great theologian, Her Majesty the Queen. Christ did reveal the truth to us in his teachings. That's what's just happened in verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Verse 17, he says he's going to give the Spirit to reveal the truth. He is the Spirit of truth. But she says he didn't only reveal the truth to us by his teachings. He lived out what he believed and gave us the strength to try to do the same. He gave us the standard to live up to and the means to live up to it. So, the Queen is full of the Holy Spirit, I think. She knows God. So it comes across, doesn't she, in almost everything she says. If you listen to her Christmas, Christmas messages, she's somebody who knows the love of God. But she also is somebody who remarkably, oh, not perfectly, nobody's perfect, but she's actually followed the commands of God, I think, as best she can throughout her life. Not in her own strength, but in the strength which was given to her through the power of the Holy Spirit, which was poured down upon her and symbolised by the anointing of oil in her coronation service. And so the question for us this morning is, have we received the Holy Spirit? Have we been filled with the Holy Spirit? Perhaps we've never asked. Perhaps we've never done verse 8. I mean, Philip longed to see the Father, didn't he? Maybe we've never actually prayed that prayer in verse 8. Lord, show us the Father. Show us your love. Reveal your love for me. Maybe we've gone, oh, God is out there. He's distant. He's unknowable. Have we ever actually said to God, would you show yourself to me? Or maybe it's that we're on the wrong side of verse 15. Maybe we're coming unstuck a little bit by this verse 15 where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we read that and wince a little bit because we actually maybe know that we're not keeping the commandments of the Lord Jesus. I mean, there's no point to be asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we're not actually wanting to live holy lives, is there? He is, after all, the Holy Spirit not the unholy spirit. And maybe there's an area of our life where we know we haven't surrendered to the lordship and the commands of Jesus Christ. Well, I think we ought to just be still for a moment and perhaps respond in our own way silently, privately before the Lord to see what it is that he wants to do for us. Because just in the same way that the Holy Spirit came and touched Queen Elizabeth in that coronation service, so he can come and touch each one of our hearts and lives today as well.